Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Michael and Andrew Leyland. Is that working? That is working. It looks like it's working. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to Hey Kids Comics 2. That's what electric we've settled on. Boogaloo. No, we're not doing the electric boogaloo. Oh, we're not? No. Joke's dead and buried. Yes, it's dead, buried, staked through the heart, head cut off and set on fire at this point. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We are now four episodes, count them, four, four episodes into the sequel series. I don't know how it's doing. The People are emailing series. in. Well, that's that's one of the, the benefits of, uh, of of doing so many before they come out is we can just be completely ignorant. People could be slating us by the time these come out, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do have people saying, was there no email this week? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we recorded these months ago. <laughs> There's, there has actually been a significant gap of time for me and you between recording the last episode and this one. Yeah. But they'll never know that. Exactly. Yeah. Now that I've mentioned it, they will. <laughs> because we've been busy. Life gets in the way. Which is why we've recorded so many in advance. But this week, month, we do month. it monthly now, we do don't we? do it, yeah. Do, you said do-do. Well, I uh, do-do we... doing all the time. <laughs> Little IBS boy, I'm never not do-doing. That's, that's, you never not do-do. <laughs> that's very true. We are doing Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips's Pulp this week. But before that, I think we should do an email. We'll start with an email and then we'll split the emails up as we go through the show. Because I quite like that. Mm. I think that works well. And it also means they can't skip bits. Because <laughs> if you put your emails at the beginning of the show, right, okay, people yeah. can skip them. Yeah. And if you put your emails at the end of the show, people can turn off. Well, unless you fast forward. <laughs> Listen to it at 1.5. Oh, piss off. <laughs> Those people are of the devil. Those people. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 They want your 4 by 3 TV show <laughs> cropped and scanned into 16 by 9 Right, okay. They, that, that, that's they're... you. <laughs> that's you, that is. People who listen on one point. <laughs> an, entire, an entire audience base just turned off. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can listen to it however you want. Okay. Hey, Andrew and Michael. Hello, Matt Prather. Hello. Hello. I now feel unqualified to listen to the podcast for I don't have a podcast of my own. <laughs> and and hopefully Matt doesn't listen on 1.5. Well, yeah. I will carry on listening as best I can with my amateur status until such time as I can start a podcast myself. Don't. <laughs> we don't need the competition. Podcast break your heart, kid. <laughs> Perhaps a podcast about being a sarcastic asshole. No, there's plenty of them. <laughs> I mean, there's two on this ship. Thanks, as always, for the entertainment, and I look forward to upcoming shows. Podcast listener, Matt Prather. You are very welcome. I hope that you enjoy listening to our shows. Don't feel the need to make your own podcast. We don't, we don't need the competition. Do we? Well, everyone's got one now. Everyone's got We live in the age of the podcast. Yes, that is very true. I know what I was going to have a look at, and thought it may be interesting before we start covering Pulp by okay. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. What comics are you reading at the minute? Nothing. And if we have a look at... You're reading Bugger All. Uh, yeah. Um, right, okay. I'm not really reading anything. So I'm rereading on a monthly basis. There's nothing that I get. I've dropped Justice Society by Jeff Johns because yeah. that's... Jeff Johns not firing on cylinders. Um, Is he just going through the motions at this point, do you think? Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, I'm waiting for Avengers versus Ultraman and Justice League versus Godzilla. Uh, there's there's not really anything else. I don't. I've not read Batman in ages. Oh, I'm, I'm picking up Thor. I read the first issue of that. Immortal Thor. Mm. 
good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Sur- yeah. Surprisingly. Well, not surprisingly good. Al Ewing has earned a bit of goodwill from me at the yes, moment. Yes, from, uh, from Hulk. And that Fury one shot he did. Yeah. And Venom. Okay. Right. Nobody more surprised than me. Yeah. When Stephen Lacey said, no, Venom's actually quite good. Okay. And I went, get out of town. <laughs> and then I bought them because it was at Thought Bubble. And mm. Al Ewing was there and Ram V was there and they're the co-writers. Yeah. And prior to that, I'd been at the Lakes International Comics Festival. This was last year, mm. not this year. And Brian Hitch was there. And I wish you'd been there. Right. Because he was just effusive in how much he was enjoying drawing Venom. Right. Okay, and how okay. much he was... how. His enthusiasm for it. Yeah. And he's showing me original art from Venom. Right, okay, talking yeah. about page bleeds and I've cheated a bit here. <laughs> Look at what I've... And I'm just sat there going, Michael would love this conversation. <laughs> and I'm just like right over me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool though. Didn't have a clue. But yeah, he's so enthusiastic for it. But no, I'm actually reading... Uh, so I'm reading through Criminal after uh, this, really. After mm-hmm. reading this for this show and I started, I started picking up the nice hardbacks and reading through them because i think i read them when they first came out i think you were reading mine when the first series was yeah out um and i'm reading through lone wolf and cub that may or may not pay off uh dear listeners in the future oh they've already seen me notes oh okay, okay. if you follow us on facebook um but apart, aside from that yeah there's nothing there's nothing at the moment i feel like i've been saying this for years which is really unfortunate there is nothing at the moment that has grabbed me or interested me there's just a wide open market of comics that just very little interest. See, I love facsimile editions. Yeah. I'm looking at my December order here for, for what I'm buying. And Batman 404 through 407, I'm buying. Because mm. that's Batman Year One as facsimile editions. Oh, yeah, I've got Batman Year One in hardcover. Yeah. I am still buying the facsimile editions. Just, yeah. Because okay. I love them so much. Uh, Superman 78 has got a second series. I'm buying that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I, I was thinking to pick that up because that was the only one of the two that I enjoyed. Couldn't give a shit about Batman '89. Will yeah. not be buying the second series. Yeah. First one was boring, wasn't it? Yeah. It committed the cardinal sin. It was dull as dirt. Yeah. It's a shame because Joe Quinones is such a great artist yeah. as well. But well, I don't know. Uh, another facsimile edition I'm buying: Giant Size Superstars One. Right. Okay. I'm buying that because it's a facsimile edition. Immortal Thor, yeah, is good. Mm. Have you read the first issue of J. Michael Straczynski's Captain America? I haven't. It was very good. I'll lend him you. When, right. when there's enough issues for you to yeah, actually yeah, yeah. get your teeth into it. I mean, the thing is, though, that's just going to fall off a cliff when he gets bored, though, isn't it? So, <laughs> I, I I will not mention them publicly <laughs> in case they don't want me to say this publicly. But one of our good friends did say, yeah, until he storms off in a huff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have never read something and thought, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Four is probably Marvel's best comic at the minute. Which is a surprise. And, so I, oh, I might, I might, no more than to me. I might read that. Yeah. Well, I, I tweeted Ryan North, who's writing it just yesterday. I am loving this at the minute. And he's like, oh, cheers, man. Because I will always, there are a couple of books that you will always give a go to mm. when a new creative team comes on, even yeah. if you've fallen off them a little bit. And the FF is one of them. Well, I was thinking of picking up at the time because. Immortal Hulk had just finished, and Alex Ross had started doing the covers. Yeah, he does it. the covers. Yeah. So it's you know it's a new issue one. Yeah, whatever, fine. But I just never picked it up, and it was one of those that more and more time went on, and then here we are, seventeen months later, and I'm just like, I'll give it a go at some point. I'll lend you mine because it is um, it is surprisingly very entertaining. Yeah. Do you know why? Because it's an actual Fantastic Four comic. That, but also there's one Fantastic Four comic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to read loads of other books. There's yeah. one Fantastic Four comic. And so far, we're a year in, 
and at no point has it crossed over with anything else. Yeah. Or you've because I've dropped Batman from my poll list mm. for the next couple of months and Spider Man. Yeah. Because they're both doing crossovers with other books. I just do not care about. Well, Spider Man killed my interest anyway. And well. even even with a new creative team on it, everything I've seen from it. And you know, I completely appreciate there could be an argument saying, you know, you're not reading it in context. I don't want to read it in context. <laughs> like, I like it when John Jr. draws it and it's all about Tombstone. Right. And Spider-Man and the gang war that's going on. But alternate universe, Mary Jane with don't kids care. and kill don't off care. kill off Miss Marvel. Anytime Ed McGuinness shows up and they do like a comedy interlude with Doctor Octopus, don't care. Okay. And I like Ed McGuinness. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like the reason that Fantastic Four works because there is only that book. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man is the opposite. Because it publishes twice a month, right. even John Jr. can't keep that schedule. Yeah. So every now and again, they'll have to do a four-issue art that's kind of like not really related, but is because it's the same writer. Right, okay. And you just feel, yeah, can I get back to the stuff I'm enjoying now, please? Why not go back to just publishing it once a month? Do yeah. all the shit in the other Spider-Man titles <laughs> that nobody reads. Yeah. Leave Amazing alone and just do your best work. Well, that's it. There's just so many of not really much. You know, I'm, I'm sure X-Men has its fans, but do you need... A different title for each of those yeah. individual fans. Well, there's something happened with X-Men at the minute I as well. no idea. Because of late, the comic marts have just been full of 50p X-Men books. Yeah. Like, chocker. Well, it's just it's just oversaturation. And I think, uh, you know, probably not the place to criticise the comic industry on a comic podcast. So maybe the best place of it is, yeah, is in the last, last few years, there's just been an oversaturation of X-Men. Batman, yeah. Joker, of just the same characters all, yeah. all the time. And it's, it's just, there's nothing. And even writers as well, you know, every other book is uh, a Tom King or a Tom Taylor or something like that. And I'm yeah. sure they have the Matt fans, Wade. but yeah. There's like, rumours that he, rumours, I stress, rumour that he gets a higher page rate okay. and other people have had to take a pay cut to allow for that higher page rate. Again, I do not know <laughs> if that's true. And it's just it's just such a shame because, you know, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but are you not cutting off so many potential buyers by only catering to a specific yeah. fan base? Very, very possible. Well, the the Fantastic Four, I'd never heard of Ryan North before. Mm. And suddenly, so I'm buying this new book, I'm taking a punt on it because it's the FF, it's a new writer, yeah. it's a new direction, new creative team, you don't have to have read anything before, yeah. and it's the best thing that they've published by far. It's, it's why I still stand by the New 52. The New 52 made stars out of lesser-known mm-hmm. creatives. The only problem is now, though, the market is flooded with those... Those lesser-known creators creators have now become the creators of the future. Exactly. So now I'm not saying we need another new 52, but we certainly need more creative teams. I don't think anybody wants a new 52 at this point, do they? I don't know. I will always stand by the new 52. Uh, I read. What did I read recently? Oh, Justice League. I've got the first three trade paperbacks. Oh, you reread those? And I've reread them all. And you know what? They're not bad. Well, I, cramulent. I reread Action Comics after finishing off All Star Superman. I want to reread Action Comics. It's it's great because it starts off with Morrison having just come off Super Gods, so everything is a modern retelling of those early ones where he is the original SJW. Mm. He dresses like Bruce Springsteen and beats up wife beaters. <laughs> he's he's the Superman of the Labour Party essentially, uh, and but then you get into it falls off a cliff when it feels like setup, but then when all the pieces are on the board, it's Morrison. At, not the finest, but it's it's solid again. Right. So it's it's a weird one, but it's, it was interesting going back and like a time capsule of just going, oh yeah, that was what things were like 
12 years ago when the new 52 happened. Does 12 years ago make you feel old? Oh, considerably. Uh, the mortgage makes me feel <laughs> okay, old. Bond. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there is that. See, I don't have a mortgage anyway. <laughs> I've paid mine off, which makes me feel even older. <laughs> anyway, today on the show, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips's Pulp, published by Image Comics. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips have become a writer and artist team. Up there with Chris Claremont and John Byrne, Stanley and Jack Kirby and Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends as purveyors of enjoyable and innovative comics. They're certainly one of the few teams from whom I'll buy any new project sight unseen. As of this writing, Brubaker and Phillips have collaborated on over 30 projects together, starting back in 1999 with Scene of the Crime, which Phillips inked over Michael Lark's pencils. From that point on, the duo worked on a Batman story, 2001's Gotham Noir, before embarking upon Sleeper, arguably the first of their projects to clearly demonstrate their future direction, while still toiling in the work-for-hire fields, Brubaker on Gotham Central for DC Comics and Phillips on Marvel Zombies for, well, Marvel, <laughs> they launched a book that would define their future collaborations. Criminal. Now, you just mentioned Criminal. Mm-hmm. I was buying Criminal. Yeah. And I presume you just reading mine, weren't you? I think, if I remember correctly, I maybe just started high school at the time. Or maybe I was in my second year because I'd had my hair cut and I'd always had to have gel in because I wanted to look like David Tennant in Doctor Who. <laughs> um, so I think by that point, uh, under Icon, it was just Coward and Lawless. No, Lawless, Lawless. Or maybe, yeah, the two the um, two series within a series. Or maybe The Dead and Dying had come out at that point as well. Right. Maybe. It's possible. But anyway, yeah, following Brubaker's success at Marvel on Captain America, he created the Winter Soldier, uh, Marvel asked Brubaker if he'd help launch the Icon imprint, which is what Michael was just alluding to. Icon was supposed to augur in a line of creator-owned comics similar to DC's groundbreaking Vertigo imprint, but fizzled out pretty quickly. Because it's a tall order to compete with Vertigo. It is a tall order to compete. And also, once Marvel was bought out by the mouse, <laughs> it became readily apparent to Phillips and Brubaker that large conglomerates did not like people owning their own material. Yeah. And it wasn't long before they packed their bags and trotted on over to Image Comics where it stopped being a monthly and became a series of miniseries, which is funny that you keep referring to it as the miniseries titles. And to yeah. me, it's just criminal. Yeah, yeah. Because I was reading it monthly. When you call it The Dead and the Dying, I'm like, all right, so which one was that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, right, that was you six. Oh, all right. Because didn't the, not reboot, but new number ones for a new series yes. that was a continuation, but... Yeah, once they became miniseries, it just had new number ones every yeah. time. And it stopped being an ongoing... It was quite an interesting thing to do about it, especially considering the story itself jumps around period of time. It's essentially a puzzle if you're reading it long term, but it means that you're not cutting off new readers. Every every new story is a new place to start. Yeah, anyone can drop in uh, because it's a cross-generational crime story. Mm. And what Brubaker does with it is he takes these noir crime storytelling tropes and then he said this in interviews, he wants to look at them through a 21st century lens, like take yeah. away some of the inherent nastiness and cynicism and, yeah. let's be honest, misogyny. Yeah. And pull that from it. 
And it's, it's very interesting, though, especially reading some of his, his backups in his essays, is just how he has reutilized that mm-hmm. and retextualized it as well. Yeah. So not necessarily that those tropes aren't there, but it works better. He's doing something new with them. Yeah. So, I, like you say, all of the noir tropes are there, the femme fatale, the down-on-his-look PI, yeah. nothing goes right for him, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he he does alter them slightly. The nastiness is there in a palatable, not nasty way. Yeah, it's not like grindhouse Yeah, nastiness. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is still a level of violence there. And the series was innovative in both form and function from the stories. Again, like Michael just said, that experimented with the narrative styles, jumping all over from when the main character was a kid yeah. to now he's an adult, to the actual format of the comics themselves which varied from single issues, but with articles and essays in the back, double-sized issues, magazine-style one-shots like Savage Sword of Criminal and Deadly Hands of Criminal, and one-off complete graphic novels. I've just shown you Savage Sword of Criminal and Deadly Hands of Criminal because you'd never seen them before. Which... No, I think I think I knew of them, but I didn't know if they were just like you know reprints with a different cover or something like that. No, they were new stories. I covered one of them. On with Ryan Daly on a show on the Fire and Water Network. Okay. I can't remember which one it was. It may have been Savage Sword or Criminal. But they were new stories. But for those listening who don't know, they were actually published like the old Marvel Comics magazines. Yeah. Like Planet of the Apes and that stuff. And they had articles and letters pages. And it very much kept to the pastiche of it all and played it all for real hmm. apart from I think the like there was a couple of places where he slipped over into that you know that Alan Moore slightly superior piss taker right? okay yeah, yeah. that was was that 1963 the image comic he did I don't think I you've know, ever read that in the early days of image when he was really pissed off with DC right. he did a mini series called 1963 okay and each <clears throat> issue of the mini series was a spoof pastiche of Characters like Spider-Man and Fantastic So Four. does it just get into venomous, Yes, I don't like this? Yes, his yeah. bullpen bulletins was just a relentless, not even a piss take, right. just a relentless character assassination, essentially, of the people who worked in the comics in the 60s. And that stops being funny. Yeah, when you realise that they've been serious. Yeah, and becomes mean-spirited. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that. Mm. Not as much, okay, and enough that I can give him benefit of the doubt, okay. But a little bit, a little bit of mean spiritedness, yeah, came through in places. <laughs> the original Criminal series ran for thirty-eight issues and has been collected in numerous collections. One of which, Bad Weekend, was collected as a special hardcover with five additional pages of material. And one original graphic novel, My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, that wasn't originally advertised as a criminal story, but was later folded into the narrative because one of the characters in My Heroes is from Criminal, even though My Heroes isn't about that character. Well, it's it's my headcanon that unless stated otherwise, like Fatal or Sleeper or something like that, it's... No, even Pulp. It's Criminal. Uh, Fade Out and Pulp, to me exist within the same world as criminal because there's nothing in there that says otherwise like i said it's only fatal and and sleeper and that kind of thing but maybe even the fade out i don't know that the f- yeah there's nothing mm. 
the thing is, criminal and pulp and the it's fade out. It's such a broad. All, but they're yeah. all like, there's nothing in there. Like, there's no Lovecraftian monsters. There's no, uh, you know, underground cabal of people who make you kill other people. Like, these are real things and yeah. with real themes. For all, you know, there's there's nothing stating that. So if they'd released pulp as a criminal four issue miniseries before they published it as hardcover, it wouldn't have felt out of place. It wouldn't have felt, you know, no. It's it's simply just a former, uh, you know, bandit yeah. turned writer. And then, or you've got one about Hollywood. Like none of this has any contradictory bearing on each other, so it might as well be criminal, just because it's not no, about the lawless. You that's know? true. Just like Twilight Zone could tell any manner of different kinds yeah. of stories, but they were still Twilight Zones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. No, I'll go. I will agree with you. Um, but with the success of Criminal <clears throat> and their incredible work ethic, Brubaker and Phillips were able to do what every comic creator dreams of. They left behind the world of IP-driven work for hire and produced their own original works. Initially, this took the form of other long-form but limited series, the very underrated Kill or Be Killed, the horror-focused Fatal, or the epic The Fade Out. But with the expanded Bad Weekend and the all-new My Heroes, the duo wondered if the market could support them, skipping serialised comics altogether and just produce hardcover graphic novels. To this end, Phillips and Brubaker, now joined by Sean's son, Jacob, on Colours, prepared to debut Pulp, the first hardcover graphic novel to be just that, rather than a collection of serialised stories. And here it be. You've not brought your copy, have you? I've not. I didn't, I didn't see the point. <laughs> we, we have the exact Yeah, same. we have the exact same edition, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you got the process edition. No, I know. It's tempting, though. I, you know, my, it my, is. My OCD does does, does tickle my uh, Yeah, the desire. process edition, for those that don't know, is essentially pulp reprinted, but with all of the sketches, notes, margin notes, all of that stuff yeah. that led to it to change and develop as it went along it's the way. It's actually really interesting as well as as an edition, a uh, collected edition, because I saw it in um, Travelling Man. Yeah. It, it, someone had ripped off the plastic film, so I was like, oh, I'll have a little uh, flick through this. Um, there's so much behind it, because it's quite a thick and chunky book. Mm. There's so much behind the scenes stuff that the actual story itself is like a footnote. Yes, it's like two thirds of it. Yeah, is uh, yeah script notes, yeah. changes that they made along the way. It's, it's extensive. Yes, yeah. it's quite you know interesting reading you know from the behind the scenes perspective. Mm. But right. yeah, I just I just found it hilarious that pulp itself was just this minor little bit in this overall book. Yeah, like I said, pulp itself is like a third of the book. Yeah, and then the other two it thirds is, that, is, yeah, is yeah. everything else. It is a lot thicker and fatter but they were just about to release pulp when the world stopped the covid19 pandemic hit despite the slowing down of publication of all printed media brubecker and phillips continue to work non-stop the next project a series of hardcover graphic novels entitled reckless debuted to critical acclaim and impressive sales oh, figures. Oh, is that how they did so many so yep. fast? Okay. Yep. So far, they've, they've done five hardcover graphic novels focusing on LAPI Ethan Reckless, all set in the 1980s, and they churned them out. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, that's it. Over lockdown, basically... They just kept busy. He just kept throwing new scripts at Sean Phillips I, to keep him busy. I know when they were announced, it was announced as the first of three, so yep. they'd already they were that far ahead. Yeah. And then it just became, I think he said in an interview, Robert Kirkman said, no, don't only do three. Yeah. If you do three, people will think you're only doing a trilogy. 
Right, okay. So he said, right, okay, and they just carried on. Yeah. And they did another two, and then have took a little bit of a break right. to do some additional stuff, and then they're going to go back to Reclos. Okay, okay. Which is fair enough. Because, yeah, the last few have just kind of been standalones, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, they've, uh, they've never gone back to Criminal or Kill or Be Killed, which they keep promising to. Yeah. But I guess there's so many hours, so many hours in the day. Because Brubaker is also... He's working on the, the new Batman cartoon that Warner Brothers have sold to Amazon. Oh, yeah. Okay. What, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you take that... You own Batman. So you could own Lock, Stock Everything. and Barrel, that, yeah. that cartoon. They've sold it to Amazon. Yeah. Now, Brubaker's like, well, at least we weren't cancelled. Yeah, yeah, which it was. Yeah. yeah. So at least we were allowed to just carry on production. We just changed ownership. Mm. He's doing that with Paul Dini. Yes. If you subscribe to his Substack newsletter, which I do, okay. he's actually said that the reason that he, he got involved, because people have said, why have you gone back to IP? Mm. Because he said, well, I've worked on Westworld. And he did that series with Nicholas Winding Refn that I've never seen. Oh. Was it Neon Demon? Or no, Neon Demon was a film, Copenhagen Cowboy. Something like that. He he was the head writer on it. Yeah. And he's, okay, he's done that. Right. And that only got one season. Yeah. So he said, but the Batman was the chance to work with Paul Dini. My TIE fighters fell off. Yeah. The chance to work with Paul Dini and right. Bruce Tim. But what he learned was, well, are we just going to do Batman the Animated Series again? And they both said, no. This right, is okay. a completely different thing. So it's kind of like going out and playing with your toys but doing something yeah okay and he said what appealed to him was this is a lot more noir batman yeah the stuff that he was writing yeah when he did his run on batman so what the animated series was before it became the new adventures of batman or yeah. whatever it was called apparently this is going to be a much more noir focused okay so right. hopefully that means it's not going to have appearances by the rest of the justice league and stuff yeah okay and it's just going to be so i'm okay. very much looking forward to that I think that sounds very interesting. But I suppose with Criminal as well, you know, it's been going on and off for about, what, 15 years yeah, or so, since, really? since, like, the early 2000s. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they'll they'll go back to it again, maybe with another... At some point. ...trade here and there, yeah? Yeah, I hope so. It still sells well. It does, and the the hardcovers that you're buying, is, is that, like, the fourth or fifth version of something them? like that because i know when they first came out it was icon and then image did them and i was looking through your fatals early and it does advertisement from years ago with completely different covers yeah. so they keep them relatively in print but yeah the, criminals still in print i think the individual I think all the hard covers are yeah the individual trades are constantly kind of um in print hmm. yeah pulp was pushed back because of covid it was finally released in july of 2020 the cover is a pretty standard movie western poster, essentially. Mm. Um, the cowboy's weathered face looks upon us from above the title, Pulp. Underneath the title, he rears up his horse. It is more of a traditional western paperback cover. It is. Than it is a pulp cover, really. Mm. It's very interesting. Uh, it's the, the lovely little hardcovers. They're not overly expensive. This is sixteen ninety nine US, so over here it's probably only about... 12 to 14 quid. Like that, yeah. I mean, now it'll be £16.99. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, of certain economic forces that have changed the way imports come into this country. It's not bad. <laughs> you pay about 15, 20 quid for just like a single story. Yeah. You're not having to like pay what are comics now, like four or five pounds. It's and still it's, a better deal than you're expected four to follow one story for six months. Yeah. So it's still a better deal than that. But like you say, it does feel a little bit flimsy when you've held the. 
the uh, the process edition in your hands. But anyway, it reminds me of like a uh, old annuals with the big thick card covers, yeah. and then the paper was quite thin. I only bought you this last week. Was it last week? When oh, did we week, go to the nice comics convention? Ago, yeah. We both went to the NICE comics convention, and Sean Phillips was there with Jacob. Sean's always fun to talk to. Mm. He's always a good laugh. He was busy this time, though. Uh, he wasn't as busy when I saw him at the Lakes last week. Yeah. So I got to ask him about his $6 million pound T-shirt. Of course. Do you know what it was? Yeah. Do you know what was cool about it? Aside, okay. right. it wasn't a $6 million man T-shirt. Okay. He had gone to that London Comic Mart that is really good. Yeah. And somebody, he said, was selling original 1970s transfers for T-shirts. And he bought a six million dollar man <laughs> okay. and, a, and a bionic woman yeah. and a Charlie's Angels. So he made his own shirt. And he's made his own seventy six million dollar man t shirt. Nice. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you win. Yeah. So now I want one. Now I'll go down to London. <laughs> well, I'd love to if we had trains that worked. <laughs> anyway, uh, the synopsis for this runs thusly. Max Winters is a writer of pulp western stories for Six Gun Western magazine. In his latest story about his characters, the Red River Kid and his partner Heck Randall. I wonder why he wasn't Hell Randall. Were they not allowed to say Hell back then, do you not think? Well, I thought Heck was an actual name. Is it? Hell isn't Heck. I think so. Okay. It's a weird name. <laughs> Max tries to move the narrative further, similar to what Robert E. Howard had done with Conan, and focus on his characters as older. He wants them to ultimately age and change up the stories, maybe ending with them riding off into the sunset. Max talks to his editor, Mort, about shaking it up a bit, but Mort wants the shoot 'em ups that the magazine is best known for, and has the ending rewritten. Mort also reduces Max's income to two cents a word, down from the usual rate due to a fall in circulation. Max makes $120 for the story, but loses it in the subway when he stops a group of white supremacists from attacking a Jewish man. During the attack, Max suffers a heart attack and tries to make the money he lost back when he gets out of hospital. But Max is shocked that Mort has three new Red River Kid stories already, thanks to employing his nephew to write them on the cheap. Mort and his company own the rights to Max's characters, something Max didn't know, and this news causes him to have another heart attack. The attack leads Max to start planning for his wife, Rosa's future. The stories aren't from his fevered imagination. Max was the Red River Kid, albeit under a different name, the Red Rock Kid, and he decides the only way you can give Rosa a decent life is to return to his old ways. He decides to commit a robbery, but before he can follow through, a man from his past, Jeremiah Goldman, stops him. Goldman, no relation to Oscar, was a Pinkerton PI who pursued Max and his brother, although obviously he never caught them. Goldman tells Max that the American Nazi party, the Bund, are having a rally in Madison Square Garden. And Goldman tells Max to help him rob the Bund, relieving them of the donations that countless people gave them to support the German war machine. Max agrees, but the robbery goes south when Max learns there is no money in the office. Goldman simply wanted the list of donors. It turns out Goldman was fired because Henry Ford didn't want a Jew doing his books, and so no one stood up for him. He now wants to expose any bigots. Goldman starts his quest and, as a reward, provides Max with the deeds to a small house in Queens and eight grand in a bank account. However, Goldman is killed trying to prevent his neighbour from being beaten by her brother, a Bund member. The official story that Goldman fell down the stairs smells rotten to Max. 
Max understands Goldman's anger, his desire to stand up against the anti-Semitism of the Nazis and their sympathisers in the United States. Max decides to locate the man who really killed Goldman and Max enacts revenge upon Goldman's murderers. He kills the culprit, but he's killed himself in the process. That was actually quite deep. No, he's not. Max dies. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. That's the first line of the book. Does he not die? I'm sure he dies. I can tell you when it started on the day I almost died for the third time. So if we go back to the end. Because he's retelling it as he bleeds out. But he says he almost died. He's narrating it. Oh, so you... Anyway, that's how it all happened. Take it as you want, but my interpretation is he's still alive. Does he not deserve a happy ending? I can tell you when it... On the day I almost died for the third time is when it started. So he died. So that's the ending. Yeah. Well, so he's... No, 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 no. I... mm. I don't know if we're both right or we're both wrong. You can <laughs> well, inter- I'm never wrong. Okay, you are correct. He is narrating this. So the first page is the last page. Yeah. But I think you can infer from that that he dies. There's nothing to indicate that he doesn't die. There's well, nothing uh, to uh, indicate uh, that he does. Apart from the line of dialogue, I almost died. Well, on the day I almost died for the third... Mm. I think there's ambiguity there. Oh, yeah. Because as far as we're aware, he he ends telling the story... Bleeding out. Bleeding out. Yeah. So you can assume... If the credits rolled there... And it it works perfectly, you know, as your, as your Western tragedy as well. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I will... Okay. It is entirely possible... <laughs> Right, let's let's, he may let's go. Or may okay, not okay. Have survived. He kills the culprit, but may or may not be killed himself <laughs> in the process. There you go. Okay. Does that make you feel better? There we go. Because yeah, all right. I suppose if you're more optimistic than I am, which you apparently are, I never knew. <laughs> you can interpret that as he survives and doesn't bleed out and die. If on the next page that in this is blank, an ambulance arrives. And somehow manages to save his life, then okay. Well, I, th- I think it also works either way, you know, for for like the kind of Western story that it is. You know, yeah. He does die doing the right thing, or he gets his happy ending and he does ride off into the sunset. Either way, it does just end there. There's, there's no place else for it to go. I quite like that, though. I yeah. quite like that you've said, no, he survives. Well, I think the first time I read it, it was just like, oh, he dies. That's quite sad. But then this, this second time I was reading it and I was like, Hang on. No, you're not wrong. No, you, you're right. You could easily interpret that as he... Because he does... Yeah, you're absolutely right. On the day I almost died for the third time. And it's a, and he has two heart attacks during the course of the story. It's kind of like an ongoing thing that keeps popping up him almost dying. And he gets shot at the end. So you, you're not wrong. But then is, is there not a kind of... A gag there... Like, the comedy of it is he survives so many near misses and then it kind of catches him out finally. No, because I think you you could interpret this as you did, that he's clearly telling the story. Why would he be telling the story as he bleeds out? Well, it's it's the kind of narration, is it? You, your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. Mm, all right, okay. All right, yeah, we'll go with he may not die. There's an ambiguity <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the ending. That well, we both like that. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. All right, okay. I don't mind that. I, I'm quite happy with that. Did you like this? 
I did. It's uh, I think it's my favourite thing they've done. It That's why I picked one. it. I remember really liking the fade out, but mm-hmm. this is the only one that I remember. Uh, like I read it well three years ago now, and it's still rereading it only just the other week for this. It was like I remember all of this. Um, I think the fact that it's done in one. Uh, obviously, I'm a sucker for both noir and western, so the fact that this manages to do that gets both into it. I just watched the Deep Space Nine episode of the time where he's a writer who's persecuted. Uh, Far beyond the stairs. Yeah. Uh, just all these kind of things just kind of like bled together and just, yeah. Well, that's why I picked this one, because I've won. We've had. We had Brubaker and Phillips on the docket when we've, we were doing the old one. And we've done. And I'm sure we did. Did we do a Blast criminal? Of the innocence. Did that, is that the one we did? Yeah. So we did do a criminal last time, but they've just been so prolific since we've been doing this on a regular basis mm. that there was we have to do it again. We have to do another one. And it's I think now as well, there's never been a better time to be a Brubaker Phillips fan. Yeah. Like we're just getting so much consistently as well. Yeah. So that's the key. We're getting so much good work consistently. They've never done. There's been there's been ones that are better than others, but yes. there's never been an outright bad thing that they've done. Yeah, there's one of the reckless ones. I think it may be the fourth one. Right. Where I thought the ending didn't work. Okay. At all. But then the next one came out and it was like it's just like an episode of a TV yeah, show. Yeah. It's like, well, alright, this one wasn't great, but then the, the the next episode will be yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. And you're like, why can't they all be like this? <laughs> but if they were all like that. They wouldn't stand out. They yeah. wouldn't stand out. So and when I was reading them. It was a toss-up between Fatal, the fade-out, and this. Yeah. And ultimately, I I came on this for all the reasons you just said. It's crime noir, which we both love. It's Western, that we both love. Yeah. It's like they wrote this one for us. (laughs) And I think it works as well. It's its own thing. It's a one-two, left hook, up and and then it's done. Yeah. And it doesn't let up either. It's just how he tells the story is just so good. Well, I... I was going to break it up at first because there's indicators, you know, when it's a full black page, but with one panel. Yeah. They do that a couple of times at the start. So I was like, oh, so they're still kind of breaking it down into chapters. And then there's the rest of the book and then they do it again right at the back. So it's just kind of, you just keep going. And I like how Sean Phillips changes his art as well. Yeah. When he's drawing the pages from the Pulp magazine. And I don't know that the implication is the Pulp magazine is a comic book. Is it one of those magazines you think that just had illustrations, Maybe. or is it a comic book? Because it is. It's it's a book of novels and short yeah. stories, isn't it? Yeah. But he his art style is a lot more scratchy, and he tries to make it look like it's on bad paper. Yeah. When the, he draws the cowboy stuff, the coloring is really good from Jacob Phillips as well. I remember mm. not liking it as much the first time I read it, but this time it's like, oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. It is different. It's not accurate quote unquote but that also plays into the pulp they only had a limited color palette didn't yeah. they? like you go back to the marvel comics of the 70s they only have two colors yeah well i just meant for all of it in general ones. like it, it, it does feel very kind of simple in what it does but it just nails that atmosphere i mm. think and as well um i don't know if you've noticed one of the kind of things i've started noticing more and more rereading criminal and even reading this is sean phillips draws almost every main character to look like himself because he he does a lot of photo references yes so the portrait on the cover is is essentially sean phillips yeah Yeah. i've noticed that as well the editor Mm. he reminded me of mike carlin right he looks like mike carlin yeah do you not think 
I, I wouldn't know. He was the editor of the Superman comics throughout the Doomsday stuff. Google him when okay, you get a chance. Okay. He does look like Mike Carlin. So do you think there was a little bit of... No, because he's called Mort. So that's clearly... Well, clearly. Yeah. It's a nod to Mort Weisinger, who was noted right. hard-ass yeah. Superman editor, who could be a bit of a bastard. Okay. Allegedly. <laughs> Always cover yourself. Of course. So, I don't know. I don't know whether Phillips... I don't know whether Brubaker or Phillips ever worked with Mike Carlin, to be mm. honest with it. But it felt like they were drawing Mike Carlin, but it, that they were nodding towards Brubaker. And let's be brutally honest, the text, the subtext, sorry, about working in IP comics... Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there was a lot of that kind of bleeding through. The fact that you don't own your, uh, own your own material and mm-hmm. someone else can just write your characters. Yes. There was an awful lot of that. Um, for me, as an earlier Smith & Jones fan of long-standing, it was quite easy for me to just substitute the names in this and make the Red Rover Kid, Kid Curry. Okay. And Heck Randall was Hannibal Hayes. And yeah. it still works. Yeah. Because the characters are archetypes. Yeah. As most Western characters are. And that's pulp. That's what the pulps are. But it was also quite easy for me to think of this as the conclusion that show never got. Because right, okay. we don't see that Heck Randall and the Red River Kid kill people that aren't bad guys. Yeah, I mean, you do get the bit at the end where he kind of has this moment of clarity on who he is as a person. Yes, that he's not a good guy. Yeah. But he's not really a bad guy either. But I just, I, I don't know whether that just gave it a bit more weight for me. That it closes that series. Because obviously the series never got an ending. Yeah. Because it was a 1970s TV show. Didn't get one. The attitude from the editor that he wants to do what Robert E. Howard has done. Mm. And do stories of Conan as a teenager and then Conan as a king. Yeah. And it's like, well, and I can cover his entire life. Yeah. When I'm writing my stories. And the editor won't let him. There's another commentary there on you just keep churning them out. He's not allowed to write his character as older. The characters aren't allowed to eat. Yeah, he's not allowed to write them being involved in different kinds of stories. He just wants the same shoot 'em ups that he gets in every issue. Yeah. And that isn't just a prevailing attitude in the pulps or the comics, is it? How many TV shows that you grew up with? Yeah. They like they don't know what made it successful. So just keep, just doing, keep the doing the same, same thing. Well it's funny we were discussing Always Sunny in Philadelphia as well. Because mm. uh, you watch one of those episodes. That is interesting and that is one of the shows that it's been running for sixteen years now. And last year they did a four part episode where they go to Ireland and it's very emotional and then they'll go back to doing silly little comedies about four guys dicking about in a bar. And then they did a recent one where one of the main characters came out as gay, so they does this big emotional dance, and it's really good. The plot, the you know, the kind of punchline is that there isn't one. Mm. You know, he's being silly, but then it's quite serious, and it's it's one of those where your characters are aging, but they're never changing. But the show itself will drop this in. Mm. We know what makes us funny, but here's an offbeat, serious episode. Here's something like that. So, you know, it's one of these kind of weird shows. Even though it's only like a twenty-minute sitcom, knows what made it successful and isn't afraid to do different things, to be serious, to challenge the audiences. Well, I think that kind of changed over TV around, like, the 90s. Yeah. Because Friends, if you watch the first episode of Friends and the last episode of Friends, 
They're yeah. all in completely different places. Yeah. They have actually changed over the 10 years you were watching them. And the same with Frasier. Yeah. So sitcom have started to do it. Which is which is good, especially when, like, you know, when you start getting to about season five or six, and you're like, we just... Didn't I watch this episode two years ago? Lost. Yeah. Will you get into season five or six and going, are they going to wrap this up at some point? Yeah. Because now it's very, very tedious. What has be- what started out as innovative and interesting yeah. has now gone on far too long. And it's when are you going to wrap it up? See, maybe as well, we are both of the opinion story should end. Yeah. We never think something should go on forever. And it's why I think that I don't have the adverse reaction that No Time to Die to a lot of people had. Mm. Because Fleming had tried to kill James Bond off twice (laughs) already. So there was precedent for it. But also with something like Spider-Man, I'm not really bothered what they do. Because I'm not emotionally invested in it anymore. As far as I'm concerned, it ended with the Gathering of the Five and went to Spider-Girl. Yeah, okay. And that's where the guy I grew up reading about has gone. Yeah. If they got rid of Peter Parker now and just focused on Miles, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's that fear of, of aging, essentially, yeah. is what it is. You know, Peter Parker is at his best when he goes to high school, goes to college, becomes a teacher, hmm. or whatever we want to do with it. You, we've learned from Superman as well, they got rid of the marriage, made him a teenager, people hated it, so they had to bring back the marriage retroactively. Let your characters age. People want to see characters who are relatable, even if it is Superman or an alien. Let your characters grow up. Well, I think one of the reasons Superman and Lois has been so successful is because you've shown that he can still work yeah. as a married man with children. He's still Superman. Yeah. He's and still out there fighting for truth and justice. You know, apart from whatever their exceptions, are not a lot of comic readers married people with kids and families like why you know escapism yeah but also an emotional attachment as well to these characters yeah invincible is a prime example of doing peter parker and spider-man correctly and aging him up yeah and then the story but yeah but that is an example of the creator owned that character can do what he wanted with it yeah and he told his story and ended it and moved on with his life yeah and the same with the walking dead whatever yeah. you think of the walking dead robert kirkman ended it on it his ended. own terms yeah so, and which is essentially what Brubaker and Phillips are doing. But one of the things I like about this as well is just the writing is very good, as well as the art. There's a lot of evocative language in here. Mm. There's a, one of the notes I've made here, the way he hints at what's to come. If I told her what happened next, if I told her what happened next wouldn't have happened. And that makes you want to carry on reading it, because yeah. you're like, okay, well, what happens and his observation on life, the endless chore of scraping by that most of us never escape. Yeah. Never has that been more accurate than nowadays. Well, there's a, there's a lot in this, you know, whatever you, whatever you kind of think about things with the with, uh, government being how it is recently as well, with neo-Nazisms becoming a bit more prominent as mm. well. It's It's all over the world. Yeah. And I'm always a big fan of my single favourite type of story is Nazis are bastards, they ruin everything. <laughs> well, this is another reason. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm not exactly a big fan of The Sound of Music, but the bits where it's about how the Nazis are bastards and ruin everything are really quite good. Um, there's another observation in this that felt particularly apropos at the moment. He is right about not feeling any different. Mm. I still feel your edge. I still feel like I'm 15, yeah. I don't feel any older. Mm. And I am I am quite lucky in that I'm still quite spry. You only have to hang out with a couple of your mates who are the same age <laughs> yeah. and be like, yeah, I can still jump on that table. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of aches and pains. I freely admit. And I'm the wrong side of 50 now. 
So if I if I carry on being lucky, maybe I'll be one of those eighty year olds who can still run around the block. <laughs> yeah. But that resonated with you as well. Yeah. That you don't you don't feel any different. Mm. You still think you're twenty five in your head. And I still think I can do the things twenty five year olds can do. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> Doesn't always work. Because I remember this, this was quite vivid. You okay. and Adam, right. I could still pace you running. Yeah, I'm sure well you, yeah. into my mid forties. You you go running almost every other day though. Your sister wiped the floor with me. Alright, okay. Your sister is pasted me. Golden child. It's nothing to do with that at all. <laughs> she we were doing that thing I would always do with all three of you. Let's race down the street. And every time we did it, I won. Alright, okay. And then I did it with Anya one day and she wiped the floor with okay, me. Okay, no, because that's not a fair one, because you know, you were growing older, <laughs> we we were all, you know. The only reason she outran you is because you... And let's be honest, her job is very physical. You would, yeah, exactly. So, you know, not a fair comparison. Well, all I'm I, saying I demand is... a recount. <laughs> you, did I steal that? Did <laughs> I steal did, that race? You did. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, the 1939 Nazi rally in New York was real. And we've covered it before. Have we? When we covered something, I don't remember whether it was like Captain America White or something like that. Oh, right, okay, okay. But we did mention the Bund rally before. It took place on February 20th, 1939, mm. which gives you an exact date for this story. Yeah. I mean, it says at the beginning, February 1939. Yeah. But obviously, we know it happened on February 20th. So the entire story revolves around a real... Event, ...historical yeah. event, yeah. Um, it's to the Americans' eternal credit... Mm. Let's put this on front straight. 20,000 people showed up to the event. Yeah. 100,000 showed up to protest it. Yeah. Well, I, one of the favourite things that I like about this, and I've been very kind of uh, vocal in, I hate giving a platform for hateful people to yeah. speak hatefully. And my favourite is this does not kind of give them any kind of understanding or sympathy. The main characters in this go, I can't even remotely understand mm. why you would support the Nazis in any way, shape or form. Uh-huh. Uh, again, I don't know that the commentary on creators' rights is subtle. Actually, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> but it is time. Like, about the time this came out, I think he was promoting this book. Mm. Brew Baker went on Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman podcast, which is now mistitled because Kevin Smith isn't fat anymore. Does he still talk about Batman? He still talks about Batman. Okay. But, you know, he doesn't He doesn't struggle with his... Well, he probably does still struggle with his weight, but he lost a lot of weight. Well, I think changing it with Man on Batman sounds a little bit homoerotic, although considering, <laughs> you know, what happens in those books. I think Man on Batman is a perfectly fine title, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, he noted, Brubaker did, that he'd received very little compensation for the Winter Soldier appearing in the movies. Yeah. And that story went viral. Now, he's argued that the story that was published by the hit clickbaits mm. made it sound like he was angry. But if you yeah. listen to the show, he's actually quite humorous about it. No, I've not received any money for that. Yeah. Like, he didn't really expect any different. But what they did do was he said, so screw the Winter Soldier, go out and buy my books. Because yeah. I get all the money from that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it did. It worked. He got an uptake in sales. So it's a, it's a good way of doing it as well. Like, if you like what I've already done for big corporations, yeah. read more of my stuff that pay me more. Yeah, go and read my... The, don't go and pick up a Winter Soldier trade. Yeah. Go and buy Pulp. Yeah. Or go and buy Fatal. Go and buy something that me and Sean own. Yeah. And we'll get all the money from it. 
and yeah. you're not giving that money to Disney because they don't need any more money. Yeah, I mean it is interesting as well. You know everything that's going on with the writers' strike and that. Well, you got comic artists and writers as well being yeah. affected by it. Yeah. How many? This isn't anything new. You know the MCU has been going on for 15 years now. How many More or less. stories and characters using that that a don't credit the creatives? Oh, they actually, get a thanks at the end. Not always as as they've gone in. Uh, you get to around post Civil War when they stop being so influenced by comics. You get very little. Uh, well, before. apparently they are actively told now not to read the comics. Yeah. Maybe. Whereas they used to have the big library of everything. Yeah. And they would say, right, you're working on this. You can go and. I think around the time that Taika Waititi looked at one and went, no, no. we won't be doing that. <laughs> In that exact voice. Yes. And, well, let's just look at how his movies turned out, should we? Yeah. So I mean, There's a reason why you're adapting these stories. Don't ignore what's yeah. there. I mean, by all means, look at it and go, that's a bit silly nowadays. We're not doing that. Yeah. But reading Master of Kung Fu you look at the Shang-Chi movie and go, this movie should have been a lot better than it is. Yeah, yeah. And I know you quite liked it. I, well, yeah, I like aspects of it. But <laughs> you read the comics, and even with the Fu Manchu stuff, yeah, and the the Yellow Peril stuff, which is questionable yeah. nowadays, did we really need Aquafina in it, just being funny all the way through? Well, well no. But <laughs> Disney, Disney seemed to think Asian representation is just hiring Aquafina. But we did get one car Y heartthrob Tony Lung as as the Mandarin, which I'm always a fan yeah, of. Yeah, and maybe if they'd embraced the Bondian stuff of it more and right. gone, well, James Bond isn't doing James Bond movies with volcanoes, <laughs> yeah. hollowed out volcanoes anymore, so why don't we do it? Yeah. And if they'd embraced that side of it a bit more, I think that film could have been a lot better. Mm. Even if you're looking at it and going, well, we don't want to do the Fu Manchu stuff. Yeah. That's, you know, that's yeah, yeah. a bit... Because it is. You read it nowadays and it kind of makes you wince a little bit. <laughs> honestly. But at the same time, you're looking at it, well, this was done in 1975. Yeah, yeah. So there's a contextual angle to it. Well, it's that thing we were talking when we did the Marvel one, isn't it? Like, yes, it's racism, but it's also but propaganda. was it racism? Well, that, I mean, yes. I don't think... No, I don't think Doug Mensch was being racist when he wrote Master Kung Fu. I don't think that for a second. Is it not just the fact that just because it had a different name doesn't change what it is. It, I think you can be things evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can. So my argument is you can be racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever. But just because society was in a different place and looking on it now, it's like you can easily point your finger and say what it is. Yes, that doesn't necessarily change it from something can be racist, but because it wasn't perceived as that at the time. It but, still is what it is, but, but it just also, wasn't... where did it come from? Yeah, well, that's it as well. Nobody like, who made Master of Kung Fu, I think, was, was a... racist. But again, like I was saying, like, when we were discussing Iron Man, you know, it was also propaganda and mm. that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was racism, but there was a kind of a reason why. And even Stan backtracked on it. Yeah. So there's, so there's, you know, but yeah, you're right. They look at this and they look at Nazis and go, yeah, screw those guys. You mentioned James Bond as well as well. I think one of my favourite things about this and one of my favourite types of, like, character archetypes is the person who is not a good guy. Uh, you know, he's he's a bit of a bastard as well. Like I, I love the James Bond books as well because he's a bastard, yeah. like he is in the films. It's the same thing for all the Brubaker things. The, the thing he gets is that archetype of the noble bad guy. Yep. And that's what we've got here. 
you know, he's 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 not heroic. He knows he used to be a bad person and you can't escape who you are. You know, people can't change that much. And that's a really good kind of underlying theme here is he's, he's tried to live another life, but he's still the bandit from mm-hmm. the West. And I liked that that was a thing. And when he embraces it at the end and he becomes the bandit, Robin from the Nazis as well, it's this really nice character arc of he's a bad guy, but he's he, he knows who he is. Hell of a thing, killing him. <laughs> Take away all he ever was, all he ever will be. <laughs> but every, everyone loves a bastard, you know. It's why yes. everyone loves Clint Eastwood films. Cause... Everyone loves Unforgiven. Yeah, your best. Well, there's also. Do you think there's very much a British aspect to that as well? Every single one of our folk heroes squint a bit, and they're not good guys. Yeah. Robin Hood, from the <laughs> point of view of the Sheriff of Nottingham, he's not a good guy. Yeah. It just makes them more interesting. You don't want a paragon of virtue because yeah. there's nothing interesting there. Yeah. You want, you know, there's exceptions. You know, Superman works because he is a paragon of virtue, but he's also a superhero. When you get stories like this, you want to read a guy who is probably real, who reminds you of yourself, mm-hmm. you know. He's doing bad things, but he's he's doing it for the right reasons. There was a Harlan Ellison in Who's Starlog. Harlan Ellison's interviews always stick with me for some reason. Okay. Because there are cases where I think you're a knobhead. <laughs> But he's right. Right. And there are cases where I think he's a knobhead and he's wrong. Yeah. But he did give an example of one of the things he hates is when an actor will say, my character wouldn't do that when he reads a new script. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's the death of drama. Right. Okay. You don't know how this person, you don't know how you would act. Yeah. In this situation. Yeah. And the example he gave was, we don't know why the bank robber who's just held people at gunfight, gunpoint, would rush out of that bank and see a kid about to get run over by a bus and save that kid's life. Mm. Why would he cur when he's just put people at risk? Yeah. And likewise, why would the good person who lives a virtuous life not, stab not somebody in the neck? Or, yeah. For what's the reason though? And he said, that's your story. Yeah. When you have people that will do unpredictable things because you don't know how they would react in real life, that's your story. Yeah, well, that's what this is as well, isn't it? Like, it's not about the robbery. It's not yeah. about that. It's about why he's doing it, how yeah. he got there. How who he is, how he got there. Is he necessarily a bad guy or a good guy, or is he just a guy? Yeah, that's it. And it's also really quite fascinating as well how things haven't remotely changed. The reason why he goes to rob the bank is because he's getting ripped off from his job. Yep. Uh, he's barely able to make ends meet mm-hmm. and he's getting old and there isn't the support there. Which is why in times of depression and austerity, more people turn to crime. Yeah. What has there been in the news at the minute? More and more people are just robbing shops. They're just nicking tins of beans from shops. Yeah. But people are, you know, taking that out on them and not the actual government who got yeah. us here. They're not taking it out on the people who are responsible for it. Yeah. Which, you know. Max Winters may be inspired by Max Brand. A pseudonym for Frederick Schiller Faust, an American war correspondent who supplemented his income writing pulp fiction, including westerns. He was in Italy in May 1944 when he and the soldiers whose actions he was covering charged a German artillery position and he and his unit were all killed in action. Okay. So there's an element. I mean, I'm not saying it was inspired. Phillips and, sorry, Brubaker has said in interviews, he pulls bits for everyone. Mm. He reads lots of different shit. Yeah. It all blends in his head. Yeah. And then it comes out on the page as something completely different. Mm. But it could be anything. Which is really interesting reading these essays and just seeing where everything comes from. Mm. He's he's fascinating within this kind of niche echo chamber. Well in his um 
in his Substack that he does, he always gives you links to the wackiest crime stories okay. that he's recently read. And some of them are like the literal definition of this has to be true. Right, okay. Because fiction would not come up with <laughs> yeah. something this ridiculous. That's fair. So it's really cool. The Pinkertons were a PI agency established in 1850, ultimately led to the forming of the US Secret Service. Although... Mm-hmm. They were not always on the right side of history, <laughs> sometimes being used to threaten workers, yeah. unions, and strikers. The Pinkertons were bastards. Well, they, they, they believed that they were above the law because they were a private sector, and there's mm-hmm. a reason why most uh, pieces of fiction depict them as the bad guys. They went after Jesse James and Butch Cassidy in the Sundance case. <laughs> I was very disappointed when I found out Felix Leiter had joined the Pinkertons. Yeah, but only in the books. Yeah. <laughs> He was not a Pinkerton in the film. <laughs> well, he got his arms bit off, so uh, you know he had his comeuppance. Twice, <laughs> if you read the novel to License to Kill. Uh, I learned of them from the aforementioned earlier Smith and Jones. I, I think I first learned of them. They're the bad guys in the Red Dead Redemption games. Yes, they are. The Pinkertons are the bad guys, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but yeah. Uh, there is absolutely loads going on here, from the mythologising of history, instead of it being accurately presented, and even looking back on it with a more critical eye. And examining your history and going, well, maybe we didn't get that right. Mm. Which is perfectly valid. To the treatment of workers in a story featuring reformer Pinkerton. To Max just wanting to get off the treadmill. And crime being the way out for even honest people. To asking what the hell is justice when corruption is all around. Yeah, And the overriding theme to a lot of Brubaker and Phillips' more recent work, is that the bad guys always win in real life because it's the bad guys that are actually the ones in charge. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to, <laughs> to give more credence to your interpretation of the ending as well, is that's that's kind of the tragedy of it. Is yes. A man dies because the bad guys always win in the end. You, yeah. you can't fight that. As we were saying now with, with neo-Nazisms and hate groups still being a thing, one person tries to make a change and gets gunned down because of it mm. it was nice to see that you know he's 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 uh his pinkerton friend actually did something useful with it but then but ultimately the bad guys won again yeah it's an incredibly disappointing way to look at life but one that's not it's not wholly inaccurate yeah <laughs> God, we've become cynical <laughs> yeah. over the past ten years. Well, that's, I think. This I is... wonder why that would be. <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I think this is one of the the best things that they've done because of that. It's a commentary on mm-hmm. creative rights. Yep. It's a commentary on human rights. It's a commentary on the government. It's it's really good, it, and it blends all of these in just a pulp western piece of fiction. Yeah, it knows its material. It knows what it is, but it also knows that if you scratch the surface, that iceberg keeps going. Yes. I'm ready to retire now. God, I can't wait. So that's Pulp. Highly yep. recommended. We think it's very, very good. There's nothing Brubaker and Phillips have done that isn't good, I don't think. Mm. Should we look at an email? Let's do that. Uh, Michael Bailey's emailed. Hey, Mike. Andy and Michael. And here we are. The Return. It is a testament to how much I love you guys that I'm listening to this because uh, this is slightly embarrassing. Oh, good. <laughs> I love embarrassing confessions. Full disclosure, I don't listen to other people talk about these Superman stories. 
It's not gatekeeping. It's not that I think the coverage Jeff and I did on From Crisis to Crisis was so amazing that it should never be talked about anyone else because I'm not an asshole. It's not even that I think these stories are so precious to me that I don't want to hear people being critical of them. Except that that's exactly what it is. (laughs) And these stories are too precious to me and I don't want to hear people being critical of them. At least he's self-aware. Yeah, at least you're self-aware enough to know that's what it is. This is not rational. I get that. I know I'm betraying some of my deeply held but ultimately pointless beliefs about how any story can be looked at critically. So I tried to keep all that in mind as I listened. And for the most part, I was able to just let certain things go. (laughs) But not all. For the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Except for the wheel spinning thing. Do you even remember what you said? Uh, Yeah, the story feels like it's stuck in place and treading, yeah. To be fair, I can see reading this in isolation of three decades later and so far removed from the storytelling of that time that it might well be another century. Oh, wait. Oh, that it could be read that way. But 16-year-old me did not feel that way at all. I'd been reading the Superman books for five years at that point and every character getting a chance to shine and have their moment of grief hit hard. And it was the same back, back, Back in 2011 when Jeff and I covered it. But again, it's a matter of perspective. See, the thing with that, the thing you have to look at there, he is, we're right. He's right, we're right. Everybody's right. When you read it all as a collective edition, like we just did for that, yeah. those few episodes, it did feel like that. You are correct. Right. But when I was reading it weekly, it didn't feel like that. Yeah. Because you're reading that single issue in isolation every week and then going on about your life and then next week you get another chapter. Yeah. And it is all that it was written for a different time in comic book history. Mm. It was written for the weekly reader. It wasn't written to be read as a collective whole. Yeah. It just wasn't. It just wasn't the way it was written. So we're both right, which is all my favourite kind of yeah. right. <laughs> you guys did a great job. I'm glad the show is back because I missed this kind of commentary. And it helped me get over that hump of not listening to other people talk about these stories. Eventually. Your friend Mikey might be. P.S. Modern science has yet to come up with a measuring device capable of calculating how wrong you both were about (laughs) Gangbuster. (laughs) I'm sorry, but he's just diet dirt, haven't we? (laughs) He is, though. Let's be honest. He's Batman without the budget. (laughs) That's what he is. I'm sorry. I know people love him. P.P.S. That was a bit harsh. No, no. Fair enough. P-P-P-S, I stand by it. Well, you stand by it, Mike, and I will stand by my philosophy that he's diet dirt devil. And not even that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know Gangbuster had such a... Such I didn't a know he had fans. Passionate fans. Sorry, place. fam. <laughs> I'm kidding. Or am I? Uh, and nobody else has ever defended Gangbuster as far as I know. <laughs> but, you know. I could be completely wrong on that because it wouldn't be the first time that I've slagged off a character and suddenly learned that this character (laughs) has this rapid fan base. (laughs) Poison Ivy, Talia. (laughs) God, yeah, even I got involved in that argument. (laughs) And it's like, dude. Well, that's Twitter for you. Yes. Sorry, X. X, yeah. I saw somebody replied to that when we talked about Talia and it was like four tweets. And I just went, Mute, gone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even reading it. Yeah. I can't be bothered. I've got better things to do with my life. The other email no, that we don't. got. All right, that's true. I don't. <laughs> All right, I just couldn't be bothered. Yeah. I just looked at it and went, F- that shit. 
Rob McCarthy emailed in. Rob thought, one, it's none of them by themselves. They might be combined into Superman. What they were like some big <laughs> mecha. Oh God, yeah, that would be <laughs> some cool. point, they all join in Steel's armor yeah. to be this big Godzilla-like <laughs> Superman. I'm sure someone must have made a toy that does that often. Oh, God. All four Superman just joined together. Yeah. But can you imagine the the internal conversations? We'll kill him. No, we can't kill him. I'm a kid. I'm horny as hell. I will destroy the world. No, we must be honourable and true. It'd just be, can you imagine the conversations I, in I, their head? I don't want to think of the logistics of four men combining into one. I just, you know. Be like Battle of the Planets. <laughs> Always five as one. You don't remember Battle of the Planets? I, I know what Battle of the Gatchaman. Planets is. Yeah. You probably know Gatchaman. Uh, uh, do I? Yeah, Gatchaman became Battle of the Planets. Right, okay, okay. okay. They took all the animation from Gatchaman, right. cut out all the violence of course. and sexual innuendo, yeah. and revoiced Zoltar as a man, despite right. the fact he wore high heels and blue lipstick and was clearly a woman. Right. But back then, that confused an entire <laughs> era okay. of kids who were like, but but why why has she got a male voice? <laughs> Nowadays it'd be looked upon as being incredibly progressive so, and forward thinking. So that show just sexually confused a bunch of kids yeah. at the time. And then they added in to cover for all the violence that they cut out. Yeah. They had to add the Zeg and Seven Zark Seven sections. Okay, okay. And you watch that as a kid and went, Why is the animation here shit? <laughs> but then the animation when they're fighting is really good. Yeah. And that was why. So people watch Gatchaman. Right. Rather than battle the planet. Okay, essentially okay. it's the same thing. But anyway. Two, later, if it's if it is one of them, it's not the black guy because DC's not gonna make Superman black. And they're sure as hell not turning a black guy white. I don't know about that. They've done it before. Yeah, I think they they were progressive enough to think that may be an issue. Cause certainly lots of people who were reading at the time were like, Well, he's the guy with the soul. He's the guy who's gonna work. On with it. Yeah. The Spider-Man's fell over. Standing back up on his blue tack. Okay. 2A, it's not Wolverineator killer guy, because that's just DC reminding us we don't want killer Superman, and why would he need sunglasses? Well, it explains that in the narrative that he needs the sunglasses, doesn't it? Yeah. Because of the whatever it was. Yeah. So it did explain why he needs the sunglasses. It's either the cyborg or choke the boy. Not him. I hate everything about that character. They did a good job with the cyborg was not Superman, but thought he was. I don't. Cyborg didn't think he was Superboy, Superman. He knew he was manipulating us from the beginning. Yeah. But I like that he took no crap. And let's not forget, <laughs> Clinton backed him. <laughs> yeah, that's, tr- that's true. And I am not letting that go. Because <laughs> that next election cycle would have been so much fun. <laughs> Don't vote for the guy who backed the thing that destroyed a city. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no second yeah, term after there's that. no second term for him after that. Everything, we can get, we can forgive everything else. Oh but yeah, Coast yeah. City. But Coast City, no, no, we can't. Coast City's booming. To, I mean, to be fair, there is a bit of a stark difference between an affair and allowing and the character to nuke a city. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear God, that's so much fun. Anyway, that's it. That's it for this week. We've, we've done pulp. We've spent eighty minutes waxing Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips's car. <laughs> uh, I don't think they need anyone I don't think they need us to do that for them but if you don't read this stuff you do it yourself to give it a go Yeah. so Pulp's the recommended gateway drug mm. but Reckless is certainly recommended the first Reckless paperback hardback is just called Reckless yeah. there have been four subsequent sequels you can pick up Criminal in any order yeah. and read it if we were sponsored 
I would give you sponsorship links, but we're not, so we make no <laughs> so money. We won't. So on that reminder, if you want to buy us a coffee, go to Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, I think it's slash A Leyland. Okay. And buy us a drink because, you know. By this comes out, it'll have just been Christmas. It is Christmas. No, we've not got to Christmas yet. Okay. Looking at the dates. Yeah. So we've got to get together another two weeks and do another episode. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to run out before Christmas. To be fair, it was my birthday following when it was. And and us being aware for various different comic conventions. Stop this from being done when it should. Yeah, yeah, but that's fine. You know, they'll never know. Exactly. As far as they're concerned, an episode will come out every month. Exactly. Every that's, four weeks. That's so. the power of preparation. The power of prep. So you can buy us, go to Ko-Fi slash and buy us a drink. Uh, any drink. We'll have a coffee. Yeah. We'll have a beer. If you're flush, buy us a whiskey. <laughs> they're, they're obviously more expensive. Our comment prices have gone up now. Yeah, no our comment prices have gone up. Nobody's that flush. That's very true. No one's that flush generally. Yeah. But if you feel like, because that's why we don't do a Patreon as well. I don't want to take people's money every month. And also it's commitment. And it's commitment, yeah. And we don't do extras. Because who, yeah. be, who has time for that? Yeah. But if you want to buy us a coffee, that's fine. If you want to make this the biggest comics podcast in the world ever, <laughs> which is our goal... Is it? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. We're not here to take part, we're here to take over. But yeah, absolutely. Go big. <laughs> I like that. No, that's just it. Go yeah. big. I'm not going home. <laughs> I'm already home. Oh, that's true. I want this to be the biggest comics podcast ever. And to do that, we need your help, lovely listeners. I am actually going to champion the cause of the innocent, the powerless, the helpless. Okay. Us. And tell you to go on Apple and leave us reviews. Five star reviews. Because that kind of algorithm bullshit helps. And we may actually remember to look <laughs> and read them. Remember we did that once. I don't. Somebody that's read us a five-star review and read it on the show. Okay. And so so go on algorithms, go on Apple, go on wherever you get your podcasts and yeah. promote the crap out of us. Why do I feel like I'm in a hostage negotiation? Well, I want this. this is where we are. I've been watching Arnold. Right, okay. The documentary on Netflix and Arnold right. is sell. Sell, sell, sell. Okay. You got a podcast, sell it. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Facebook. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X, but whatever. I'm on, what's the other one? Instagram. Right. What are you on? I'm on most of those apart from that one I've never heard of before. <laughs> Blue, Blue Sky? Sky. What's Blue I'll Sky? send you an invite. Right. I think I've got an invite code for Blue Sky. What is it? It's just another platform. Right, okay. But, you know, it's no good and there's no amplification on it. I'm on enough platforms. I don't say anything either anyway. Yeah, I'm, you don't I'm, join I'm, in, so I'm, I'll send you an invite. I'm a little lurker. I'm pretty sure I've got a code. Uh, I'm promoters. Retweet us. Those of you that do that, we love you. There's a couple of people have retweeted us. I see. I and think I get, I get notifications. Reposted us and all that stuff. We love you guys. <clears throat> do more of it. <laughs> uh, and I'll do more of it. And okay. we'll, we'll try and make this the biggest podcast in the world ever. And that way we can do, go on tours. You, oh God. And do convention appearances. So I, I love when we first started, you were always like, oh, I don't like saying we have fans. We just have listeners. Bullshit. But, but yeah. I want this to be the biggest podcast this is, in the this comics is, podcast ever. Who knew the second story arc would be capitalist, Andy? <laughs> it's not capitalism. I mean, if we can make money from this, great. <laughs> yeah. But we don't. I just want us to be the biggest. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that modesty bollocks. Yeah, okay. I'm old now. And you only get big through through spoken word. Yeah, that's absolutely... So I'm listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Sell. Okay. Sell your movie. We are going to be the oasis of podcasts. Yes, what, we're going to release three great albums and four shit ones, but our B-sides will be brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Be Here Now is a cracking album. It's a great album. I will brook no argument. It's the album of 
and a band disintegrating before your ears into a spew of cocaine and seven-minute-long guitar yeah. riffs. People which can sum up many bands. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but we're from Manchester, so the aware is. Oh, we yeah. could be the Smith. Oh no, no, we brought the Smiths. Never. Yeah, because the Smiths were perfect for five years. Never right. got back together. So never did a reunion tour. Never released any substandard material as a new single. In fact, never did anything ever again. No one ever heard from Morrissey ever again after the Smiths. <laughs> Which is why they remain this perfectly formed little band. But we've reformed. We have, we have. And we never really went away anyway. And we never went away. How could we miss you if you won't piss off? Like a turd that won't flush. (laughs) So yeah, so promote us, plug us, we'll do it. If you like us, buy us a coffee. If you don't like us, don't buy us a coffee. But you can buy us a coffee anyway. And leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm sure one day I will figure out why the hell Spotify doesn't like us. (laughs) Right, is it not licensed music anymore? No, I don't, I don't play any licensed music yet. I don't do any of that. This show is 100% yeah. non-licensed music. See, we're playing the game, but the game's broken. Well, we'll fix the game. Okay. We will make the game work for we'll, us. We'll make a new game. We'll make a new game. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So thank you very much for listening. We love you all. Uh, everyone who's promoted our return, that's fantastic. Do all those things I said. You won't <laughs> take a minute out of your time, you know. And next time, we will be back with more non-cape stuff. We're going to do battle action next time. We are. We're going to look at the battle action annual from 2022 and maybe a little bit about the recent comic series from 2023 and its sequel in an issue of 2000 AD. Okay. So it all depends on whether you want to read those as well. We're not going to do them in depth. We'll do the annual in depth. And then just talk about the other one. So you've still got time to go out and buy those things. Right, yeah. And if we had a sponsorship deal, (laughs) I would show you the links, but we don't. Uh, And you can listen to them. And then after that will be the annual Christmas special. And we're considering going back to our regularly programmed cape shit. It depends. Gonna, it depends, gonna, it depends gonna, what we get for Christmas. We've got to make it palatable to a, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, we've got to make it palatable <laughs> to the people who only read. It, yeah, but the thing with that is, that one of the things that you want to do is stand out. And here's the thing, right? I did honestly look at all of this when I thought when we came back, what do we offer now? Yeah. When we started doing this, there weren't that many. Yeah. And they were all fan-based. Mm. There was no professionals. Now there are professional podcasts. Yeah. There are professional YouTube channels. So you're like, well, what makes you different? What makes you worth doing? What makes it stand out? And everyone basically bit and moans about what Marvel and DC are doing at the minute and how they're not as good as they used to be and how they've got all whatever. Yeah. So, okay, we won't do that. Okay. We'll focus on stuff that we like that isn't Marvel and DC. In fact, what was interesting, that entire list in the Hair Kids Comics production meeting, which basically consisted of me texting you going, do you want to do this? Yeah. And you going, yeah, we can do this. I did it, which was funny as well, because it's like, oh, have you got any ideas? Like, yeah, I've got a few ideas. Like, what about yourself? Yeah, I've got a couple of things I'm thinking of. Essays. <laughs> I'll send you an essay of stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not reading that. I'll just wait till we meet up again. <laughs> read it of course that's that's skimmed <laughs> you know so i even wrote it i wrote it all in yeah. the little the little book um, yeah i wrote it this the book is here and i wrote it all out and i don't know if i wrote it in the little one or the big one but it doesn't really matter but it i posted it and like a pavlov's bell yeah i posted it because i want it to be like a time capsule thing of how many of them we did actually get round to doing Oh so, God, God! We had we had the old notebook that was that. Yeah, we had the note. Well, of the old notebook, here it is. Here it is, lovely listener. Before we go, we'll keep this to a tight ninety minutes. The battle action and pulp. Well, we've pretty much done them. Mm-hmm. Queen and country. 
Which we may do. Burn Star Trek Full to show our Star Trek on Planet of the Apes. I'm going to let you choose. Oh, joy. Let you choose which one you want to do. Uh, Blade Runner Comics, I've only got one. Right. Well, I've got eight issues of it. Okay. But I've only got one series. <laughs> right. Garth Ennis' Dander and possibly Grant Morrison's Dander, which Ben Rush sent us a copy of. Okay. Cheers, Ben. So I'll point you towards that. Yep. The, the, Ali- the original Aliens miniseries was on the old list. Oh, was it? Okay, right. But I've always thought that may be cool to do. The Prisoner sequel that DC Comics did that Mike Bailey sent me. Right. I would love you to read that so we can okay. both go, ah, <laughs> Gun Honey. Right. Which uh, I think is really fun because it's nothing but cheesecake, naked women and shooting. Right, okay. Who doesn't love that? Low Wolf and Cub, we're just going to do a best of. Yeah. But to do that best of, we have to read all 3,000 yeah. pages of it. So Burry Man, that's not going to happen next week. Akira, you said? <laughs> We may Which do Akira. It's going to be daunting, but depending on how we do it. Yeah, it we'll work. think about that. You want to do some Gundam? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, James Bond comics. I right. want to do the Mike Grell one. <laughs> okay. Or maybe the more recent for Queen and Country. I mean, it's Mike Grell, so you can't go wrong. Yeah, that's true. So we may do that. And Superman Earth 1 trilogy, because we've only ever covered the first one. Oh, okay. So that'll be interesting. You can play snippets from the original one. Okay. Um, no. no I'll, listen, I'll listen back to it and see if we agree with ourselves. Okay. <laughs> Which we probably won't. But anyway, there you go. Take 80-something minutes. Thoroughly enjoyed it. As usual, we'll be back next month with Battle Action. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands To Do production and hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of the hosts and no one else. The free-to-use music that closes and opens the show was the sci-fi cyberbunk trailer by somebody called Stringer Bell on the pixabay.com free-to-use website. Thank you very much to him. If you would like to support the show, you can buy Michael and I, or both of us, or one of us, a coffee. Go to co-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash Leyland. In one month, an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics, coming in your ears. It's a date.